Good morning, everybody. Find a seat before we start. Good morning. We are missing Mike and Deborah this morning. Mike normally does this. Mike normally reads our scripture. He normally tells you a joke. I'm not telling you a joke, okay? <laughs> but welcome. Very, very welcome. It's so good to see all of you. Um, announcements, short and sweet. We will have a Bible study for the ladies this coming Wednesday at 10.30. Um, chapter 7 of the book of Daniel and chapter 8 and 9 of the study book, if I remember correctly. And then we want to pray for a whole bunch of people. Remember them in your prayers. Juanita, uh, who's still in the States. She's undergoing surgery soon. Please uh, lift up Mike and Deborah. Um, you know that she's not been well at all. And um, he cannot play the guitar, obviously, today. So please pray for them. Um, Kathy can't sing with us today because she's sick. Uh, who else was sick? There's a, there's, there's a few other people that's not been so well. So keep everybody in your prayers. And then pray for Sharon. She's traveling all over Europe right now. We're not jealous at all. So we pray that she's had, having a good time. And I think that's it. And Toby, you can start in prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you that we have reason to sing and reason to rejoice, reason to be glad. Thank you for what you did on the cross, Lord. Thank you that we have freedom to gather and sing your praises and worship your name, Holy Spirit. We invite you here this morning. Would you please come dwell with us, be with us, minister to us as we lift up your holy name. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Good morning. How are you? Wonderful. All the new people, welcome. Please forgive me. You have to give me your name three times before I register. So thank you for your, for your patience. We are busy with James. Dr. James. Last Sunday, he asked us to show us our tongue and to say, ah, because the tongue can diagnose what is the ailment in the body, from cancer to nutrition. The whole range can be reflected if the doctor knows what to look for. Dr. James is looking for what wisdom, out of what wisdom, do you and I operate? Not on Sundays, when we are dressed up, when we are putting our best foot forward, but in the week, when we stub our toe, or somebody drives in front of us, or somebody burns the supper. But James knows that there is no perfect man. There is no perfect woman. So he does not expect us to be living sinless lives. The Bible does not require us to live sinless lives. What I mean by that is that only when we are 100% 
in our obedience to God, will God be a father to us? Will God be gracious to us? Will God listen to our prayer? Because he knows our frame and he knows that we are but dust. And he knows better than anyone what's happened in the Garden of Eden. That our very nature got corrupted beyond um, rehabilitation. If you look at world religions, you can call it what you want. It is always about rehabilitation. What must I do to be acceptable to God? What are the works that I should do? How shall I think? How shall I pray? How shall I give? To be acceptable to Him. That's why Jesus came in the flesh. Because He alone, as we saw last time, is the perfect man. Because he said to the, disciples, to the Pharisees, who of you can convict me of sin? And he said to his disciples in John 14, he said, do not be troubled. Fear God and fear me. I have overcome the world. And then he said about the devil, he's coming. His hour is coming. That was when he was facing crucifixion. His hour is coming, but he has nothing on me. I do this out of my own will. But when he looks at our tongues, he asks us, out of which wisdom do you operate? That means if you have a computer, your computer is useless until you have an operating system. And please, don't think I'm a computer. I struggle with computers, but I have learned that much. If you, put on the, if you switch it on and nothing happens, it might be that there's not a program there. So before you can have a program, you have to have an operating system. So you and I have an operating system. And if we are born, we are born with the operating system of thinking like the world and doing what the world does and chasing after what the world is chasing after. But when you and I discover that in me there is no good thing except what God has done in me, on behalf of what happened on the cross. Because between the natural man as he is born and between God is a massive cleft that cannot be overcome by good works or good intentions or social justice or whatever you call it. God says the soul that sins must die. Because it's an affront against a holy God who tolerates no sin. But because He is just, sin had to be punished. On Calvary happened the great exchange. My guilt, my sin, for His righteousness, the righteousness of God. That's what God wants. And when that happens, you and I get an operating system that is of heaven. For the first time in the history of mankind, if you are downloading the operating system of heaven, you do not, you, you, you can sin by choice only. When you have the operating system of the world, you cannot help but sin. And you, can, you cannot train a monkey uh, to be a human being. You cannot train a natural man to be 
a child of the living God. It needs resurrection power of the Holy Spirit. And when you and I stick out our tongue, James says, I can tell which operating system you and I operate under. Now, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, we all sin and fall short of the No, Romans 3, 23, we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And 1 John 1, 9 says, if we say we have no sin, we lie, we deceive ourselves. That's actually verse 8 that says that. The Bible knows, God knows, we have this double operating system. And the question is, how do I choose? And we, James is going to talk today about somebody that's sitting on the fence. Sorry, you get nervous. I would too. He's talking today about the fence sitters. You have the divine operating system and you have the earthly operating system. And you decide when do you want to operate in which system. You have that choice. You cannot say like Tom, Tom Sawyer, the devil made me do it, Aunt Polly. Alistair Begg says, sin is an inside job. Who is wise and understanding among you? James, James 3.13 By the good conduct, let him show his works. Show me. Don't tell me. In the meekness of wisdom must we show our works. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast or do not rejoice and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. If you and I, with a double operating system on our computers, have three distinct enemies. Two external, one internal. The internal one is the natural man that does not receive the things of God because he, he, does, not, he does not understand them. It is foolishness to him. And then we have externally is the world. The system under the control of this world because the, the Satan, the Bible says, is the God of this world. That's why it's going the way it's going. And then it is the devil himself who is like a roaring lion seeking whom he can destroy, the Bible says. And if the, Bible, if, if the devil cannot rob you of eternal salvation, your security in Christ, he is going to ruin, try to ruin your inheritance. He will make sure that you are distracted towards the world's operating system and that you think that you are doing okay because you are the judge of your relationship with God. But are you? It is not you and I who can decide how we love God. The Bible says God is a jealous David Pawson is, a, is, is now with the Lord. He's a British pastor that was traveling in Jerusalem and he met a major in the IDF, Israeli Defense Force, and he started chatting with her. And she said, after they chatted a while, yes, she, she can trace her ancestry back to King David. And he was dumbfounded. He said, wow, isn't that amazing? And she burst out in tears. They so say, why can't we just be like the other people? 
Why do we have to be the chosen people? That is someone that operates in the world system. That have never realized what an immense privilege we have to be called by his name. He died on the cross to pay for our sin in full. And how do we respond to sin? How do you and I respond to our own sin when we are met with that? Oh, I'll just ask forgiveness. Do you trivialize the price that was paid? And beginning in chapter 1, we read about if we ask wisdom from God and you're double-minded, you can get nothing. And you know what he's later calling in this chapter, if we can come to that today, is he calling, he calling those who sit on the fence adulteresses. Why is he using the feminine? Because God is the husband. And show any, any true marriage and show me not a jealous husband or a jealous wife over the loved one with whom you've become one. How can you and I decide what commitment we make to God if we've been purchased by His blood? We are standing on holy ground. And this morning the Holy Spirit is asking us to repent. To repent over the sin that you and I can just laugh off. God would not have asked us to be blameless in His sight. Blameless is different from sinless. Blameless means I am covered under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and I have a short account with my sin. Remember when Jesus was in the upper room when he was washing the feet of the disciples what did Peter say? Oh no, don't wash my feet Lord, never. And Jesus said if I don't wash your feet you have no part of me. And then he would just say Lord just give me a bath just everything. God says no because if you believe in me you've already been bad. If you confess your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've already been washed in the blood. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You cannot go back. You cannot be born a child. You cannot be a human being and then I'm back as a sperm or an egg. In the same way, if you have been born from above, you are born from above, you are a child of the living God. Think of the temple. Think of the temple or the tabernacle before the priests they, 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 if they enter through from the east, the first thing they find is a big brass altar on which the animals were slaughtered, the burnt offering, the sin offering. There, the, that's Calvary. There, the big exchange is happening. The life of a sinless animal for your and my sin died on the cross. The Lamb of God. And then, if you go past that, you can get the big lava or laver, that big brass um, they used a woman's mirrors. In that time, they had just polished brass to look in a mirror. And they collected it from the ladies and they built a laver, filled it with clean water. So if you go and you look in that, you see your own reflection. And you see your reflection and you have to cleanse yourself. Do you have to pay for your sin? No, it's been paid for on Calvary. But why do I have to cleanse myself? It's from the sin that contaminates me every day by the things that I hear and see and do. And don't do. But if you and I do not look into the word that reflects the image, that's what the labor is about. We look at the word and the word says, what about your attitude to her or to him? What about your desire to be first? And you think I preach at you this morning? I was thinking of all the people that are gone and I think, 
maybe I'm going to preach to the church, uh, the chairs today. And God says, you haven't read James yet. It is not about you and your image and self-image and, and ego. Even if two people there, you preach the word. The flesh is sly. When the word pins us down, we wiggle and we squirm. I said, Lord, this morning, this is a tough word to preach. But the water of the word is there to wash you and me so that there is nothing between God and me. A husband and a wife cannot go to bed angry. It breaks up the intimacy. But sometimes if you let it slip, it doesn't matter anymore. That gap gets wider and wider and wider. If you squirm to think of the Lord Jesus Christ, as the divine husband of the bride of Christ. It's because you lack intimacy with God in your private part, in your inner room. And you do not realize the love that is lavished on you. So beautiful to think that God says, you're a father and I've lavished on the children my love. But it goes beyond that of a parent-child relationship. Isn't that awesome? That God would say to Israel, you are my wife. Isaiah 54, 5, for your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your redeemer, the God of the whole earth. He is called, for the Lord has called you like a wife, deserted and grieved in spirit, like a wife of youth when she is cast off, says your God. Isaiah 2, 19. And I will betroth you to, my, to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice and in steadfast love and in mercy. Hosea 4.12 Hear the lament of God for us who has been redeemed by the most valuable physical property in the universe, the blood of the Lamb that is still in the dust somewhere in Golgotha. His people who've been accepted, who said, I will obey. I will receive His forgiveness. But I choose to operate in the world system. And I will switch back and forth when it suits me. My people inquire of a piece of wood and their walking staff gives them oracles. For a spirit of wardom, harlotry, has led them astray, and they have left their God to play the whore. The Bible is very graphic. God sees this as adultery. Spiritual adultery and idolatry is exactly the same sin. As when I attribute, attribute the grace of God, the goodness of God, for my own success. I've been this smart, and I've been this, and I've been that. Or we do not give God the, 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 the gratitude for what has happened in our lives. There are so many ways we can commit adultery. And you think, oh, that's just Old Testament. Israel is God's wife. They are the chosen people. Listen to Paul. He says to the Corinthians church, For I feel a divine jealousy for you. Since I betrothed you, 
as a pure virgin to Christ. He says, but I'm afraid that just as Eve was tempted in the Garden of Eden by the cunning of the devil, that you will be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look at Jesus in the church. Ephesians 5.29 Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Watch. The marriage between husband and wife is an example of what came before. The marriage between the Redeemer of my soul and the Bride of Christ. Not the other way around. That is the profound mystery. Remember how God created Adam and Eve in what? In a marital relationship. You and I have been saved in a marital relationship with the Redeemer of our soul, Jesus Christ. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. While I'm on the topic, if I do not love my wife, I cannot say that I love God. If I do not respect my husband unless he is fulfilling certain criteria, you cannot say that you love God. Because why we do these things, it is for the purpose of honoring God. Verse 16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy. Good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. This is one letter, but we are coming at the end of chapter 3, and just listen how it sounds so peaceful, right? He's talking about the uh, harvest of um, righteousness. And it's sown in peace by those who make peace. And Jesus said in Matthew 5, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Nice and peaceful, like it is now in the church. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this that your passions are at war with you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and uh, cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. What's wrong with James? That his wife burned his supper. He was just talking about peace, a harvest of righteousness, and he's talking now about war. Can you imagine? Think of him sitting in in Jerusalem on the upper deck in the cool air, and he's writing his letter, looking out over the Kidron Valley. And you'd think practically, why why are you going about war now? Why do you talk about quarrels and fights? He's talking to the church. Did he forget? Come on, James. Come on. Listen to what you said to us before. You said to us in verse 18, you said, uh, James 1, 18, talking about God of His own will, He brought us forth by the word of truth, which is the gospel. 
that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Is this how you talk about the first fruits of your creatures, of his creatures? Surely, surely it cannot be right. But I think I've looked at verse 30, uh, 14. He says, we have to remember that we are not tempted by God. A person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. This then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, brings forth death. There are many a Christian that found, after sitting on the fence, it is too hard to keep up the pretense of the wisdom of God. Your heart becomes dull. And then it takes not much to push them over. Often it's bitter disappointment. I thought that it would never happen to me, a broken marriage, broken relationship, the death of somebody, the failure of my business. All those things that I've asked God to protect didn't happen. Many of those cannot say like Job, the Lord has, as we sung today, the Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That takes intimacy with God. To believe, as he said in the first chapter, that God is good. He is always good. And whatever I receive from Him is good. And even if you do not think at that time, because He's the giver of all good gifts. And God's plans and purposes, even you go through trials like Mike and Deborah now, going through a, a, tri a trial out of the blue. And they have no idea how long a disease is going to be. They have no guarantee except God is good. His word is true. His purposes are for my benefit. Let's go back to four quarrels. I wrote... Somebody wrote, James' language sounds so extravagant, so exaggerated in our ears. But we feel we must positively refuse to see our small-time disagreements and occasional squabbles as merit such a description. Paul writes to the Corinthians, listen, it's not only James, but I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready, for while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? I believe truly, if you listen to the prophets, if you read the Daniels and you read Ezekiels and you read Revelation, we are living in the time of the great falling away. And that is why you and I have to push in, into our inner room and in with intimacy with God looking in the Word of God daily, praying daily for the strength to overcome the temptation to operate under the operating system of this world. So that God will give us His grace and that we will come to, if I don't talk too much, we'll get to that place where He says, um, God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God and resist the devil and he will or shall flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, your sinners, and purify your hearts. You double-minded. That was James' diagnosis from the beginning. 
He, he led us through the trials and temptations. He says what we should be doing. All joy when it's going rough for us. Not to be impartial because that is not who God is. We don't differentiate between rich and poor. And all the other classes that this world has. And then he goes on to say well, what we should do. Not only uh, uh, listeners to the word but doing it. And he talks about the two wisdoms. He talks about when we ask for wisdom, we cannot be double-minded. Double-minded means we cannot sit on the fence and ask God to show us what to do. And the same thing here. The big issue in chapter 4 is self. That's where all the squabbles and the irritations and the church splits come from. I'm not sure if you have been part of a church uh, or a church board. It's unbelievable that there can be so much strife and animosity and, and disagreement and how. So I'm not surprised to read this, that he's addressing a church like that. And the whole reason is, that like I had this morning, what about me? My desires, my wishes. And God says to the husbands, lay down your life for your wife, doesn't matter what you do, because you do it unto me. But I evaluate. I want to evaluate first what she does before I do something. That is the operating system of the world. If Jesus had to operate like that, you and I would have been lost in our sin. When, we, when, God, when, when the Bible says we are the children of God, it means that we act like God acts. And now it's possible because we have His operating system. Cleanse your hands. When you go to the Word, you don't squirm out of it. You don't rationalize. But Lord, if you, I was so provoked. But look at him. Look at them. The, the scripture comes to you and to me. And, and what we see is wash. Because I've been bathed. God wants me to smell like him. I remember when, we, when, we were, when Toby was little, we took him to people that we knew. And we're going to drop him off for, the, for like a weekend. And they say the first thing we do, we take him and we put him through the bath like he, that he can smell like us. God wants you and I to smell like him. That's why we wash. The worst thing in a Christian's life if you've become accustomed to your sin and you've found excuses for it. You're going to suffer loss when it really matters. That is why I think the theme of the Holy Spirit for this time that we're living in is sanctification, purification, being perfecting our holiness in the fear of God. If you do not have the fear of God in your life, you will not understand why you have to live a holy life. God wants you to receive glory. As I said last week, when He comes, He will give us a glorified body and a split of an eye. But He wants our spirit man to be Fully mature, grown, tested in the fire of the furnace. Whether good or bad happened in our lives. Fortune or misfortune. Promotion or non-promotion. That's what he's after. We must smell like him. In verse 9. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. We are in great danger when we can sin with impunity. And no longer struck by the gravity of sin. What should be our proper response? I ask myself, when last did I weep for my hard heart? When last did you cry? 
about the conviction of the Spirit in your life. We grew up in churches that would point outwardly to people who are drunkards and prostitutes and thieves and murderers. The Bible says what Jesus said, if you say to your brother, you're idiot, you're in danger of hellfire. But it's chewing over our heads. James is not exaggerating. James is seeing the sin for what it is, like the Lord Jesus did. You might not realize it now, but this is an encouraging word. This is the bugle sound to dress up for war. Because whether you believe it or not, you can live in peaceful Panama, but we are in a spiritual battle, and you are the battle for your own soul, and you might be in battle for your family's soul. You have to watch and pray that we will not fall in temptation to fall asleep like Peter and John and James in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus went through horror. Ask the Lord, Lord, can what, what breaks your heart? What breaks your heart here in Panama? Will you break my heart over that? And if we pray for people, I find it often hard to pray for people until I realize the scripture says, if you pray for those in prison as if yourself are in prison, it works. You have to enter into somebody's trouble. But if our prayer is like this, bless me, my family, I and me, and, all, and, and only us four and no more. We are, most of us are privileged to retire. We've got time. Intimacy with God cannot be switched on or switched off. It's, a, it's to be cultivated. And he's inviting us. James says, you don't have because you don't pray. And you pray because you don't receive. Why? The prayer is about me. Oh, spare me that. I just want to be comfortable. I just want to go hit the grave without a big trial. I just want peace and quiet in my family. The harvest of peace sounds good to me. Just make me peaceful. God doesn't hear those prayers. He says, before he says pray, he says humble yourself. Humbling means I come before God and say, God, you are the sovereign God. You decide in my life what, what goes and what doesn't go and help me to submit myself. Submission is not giving over. I don't do anything anymore. I've handed it all to God. No, submit means I, have, I just put my life under a superior authority and I stand with the weapons that God has given me to face this world. You know what the weapons of God is. We stand in His power. But you have to submit first and say, Lord, whatever happens in my life, God has given and God has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You cannot pray that prayer without the power of the Holy Spirit. You need it. And that's the prayer God hears. I'm so thankful for many prayers in my life that God did not answer. How about you? Often we pray and we pray and we pray and we pray for people that irritate us and harm us or whatever and all the while God is working in you. Right? Changing me on the inside and say, it's not him, it's you who are the problem. So the, the good news today for us as a church is, right, you have been appointed to be alive today. You have been appointed to be victorious. To live a life of victory. A soldier for Jesus Christ, fully armed to the teeth. He's given you all the weapons you need. All you and I have to do is keep standing even though it's like this. And he's encouraging us. He's saying, come on. 
the hell, hell and all its fury is no match for the marching church of Jesus Christ. And that's what we need to know today. We are not victims. We are more than conquerors because the Bible says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, shall distress, shall persecution, shall famine, shall nakedness, shall danger, shall sword. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through Christ who gives us strength. This morning, I couldn't help to smile. I said to Celeste, I, I just felt inadequate to bring this message to you. Because if you look at the internet, you see great preachers, massive churches, high followings. And then I, <laughs> I thought, Lord, I'm not even a qualified pastor to stand up and, 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 and to offend people with your word. Who am I? And then I read something. and um, I read, if you, if you want to do yourself a favor, get evening by evening of Charles Spurgeon. It's just a, a, a piece. And his, 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 his heading was this. A living dog is better than a, li a dead lion. He says, a living, loving gospel sermon, however unlearned in matter and lacking in style, is better than the finest discourse devoid of unction and power. A living dog keeps better watch than a dead lion and is of more service to his master. And so the poorest spiritual preacher is infinitely to be preferred to the exquisite orator who has no wisdom but that of words. No energy but that of self. Isn't that marvelous? So the same God that encouraged me this morning and said, you're better than a dead lion. <laughs> better someone than saying something, even if it's not learned, even if it's not very educated, there's something of the truth in that. It's better than keeping silent. So that same Father is encouraging you today and say, smell like me. Operate under the, the operating system of heaven that is pure and loving and peaceful and humble, full of good fruits, merciful, impartial, sincere. Because you've got a great start. You've been washed. The Spirit of God came into you to give you divine resurrection life. He's put you on the tracks. And those tracks lead to glory. And then he says, no one will pluck you from my hand. Father, thank you for this privilege of seeing the precious sheep of the Lord Jesus, whom you said you paid with your blood for them. And we have to watch as elders watch over them to be shepherds of the sheep you bought with your blood. To watch over them, being vigilant. Thank you, Lord. You say we should preach the word in season and out of season. We should read it in public. We should admonish, teach, reprimand. You know what is happening in each and every one's heart. You know those who are not certain of their salvation. You know all of us and the struggles we have and the decisions we have to make. Thank you, Lord, that you say, come.
to me. Even if you're burdened and heavy laden, come and learn from me. I'm humble and gentle in heart. Cast your cares upon me because I care for you. This was a private meeting with the family of God. And the father is sharing his heart and say, come on, my children. Live the life you have been destined to live in victory. Make great my name on this earth. Let the world can see I am the living God. Father, I pray for us, for those who are sick. You know them by name. We want to pray for them as if ourselves, our own loved ones, are sick. No matter where they are in this world, you can touch them and we pray for the healing touch of God in their lives. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, with his wounds we are healed. And you went through all the villages in, Jerusalem, in, in Israel, you healed every disease and every affliction. And you had compassion on the sheep because you said they, they were harassed and helpless. Like, a, like sheep without a shepherd. Thank you that we have a shepherd that is familiar with our needs. Will you reach out, Lord, and touch? We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. We give all the adoration of our hearts. Thank you for each one that came. Bless them as they go. In Jesus' name.